This weekend, in our scripture passages from the book of Sirach, from St. Paul to the Corinthians, from our gospel to St. Matthew, they all focus around kind of the same theme, which we kind of hear at the end of the gospel. Allow your yes to mean yes, and allow your no to mean no. That as Catholics, as Christians, God gives us many mandates, but he does so out of love for us. He says, do this, don't do this. Not to make us miserable, not to hold us back, but to truly free us from the burden of sin, to free us from the burdens of the world. But many times we struggle to allow our yes to truly mean yes, and our no to truly mean no. That's many times why some of our young people or some non-Catholic Christians or some non-Christians look at Christians and say, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Why would we ever want to become like them? Why would we ever want to follow Christ, but at the same time not actually do what he calls and preaches for us to do? Because many times that's part of the struggle of being a faithful Catholic, a faithful Christian, is practicing what it is we preach. Or, as St. Matthew said today, allowing our yes to mean yes and our no to mean no. How many times in life do we struggle with that ideal? Whether it be studying for a test that we promised our parents that we'd study for, or telling our parents that last time, you know what, I will make sure that my room is clean before I go to bed and before I play my games. And then we realize it's been weeks since we've actually cleaned our room and we're now surrounded by filth. Or how many times we promised our spouses that we would change, that we would mold and adapt our lives, and then we are found wanting in the end. Allow your yes to mean yes, and your no to mean no. The church and God in his infinite wisdom gives us a plethora of options, gives us so many different opportunities to practice our faith. Kind of like When I was a kid, my parents wanted us all to kind of lend a helping hand as a family. We had a chore chart growing up. Does anybody still do chore charts? Nobody does chore charts? Man, these kids are just getting off without anything, aren't they? My goodness. From the age of about four, we had chores that were assigned to us. Normally, the younger kids get the easier things like pick up your toys, make your bed, make sure you take a bath every week and a shower every day. Something very simple, kind of teaching those disciplines. But the older you get, the more responsibility you're given as a member of the family. Then we got to learn how to take out the trash and do the dishes and set the table and clear the table and mow the yard and clean those things that are just unmentionable, like the bathroom. To be a member of the family is to participate with the family, even if you don't always see how it benefits you. And then we begin to learn those disciplines as adults, unless our parents still take care of us. And that was part of my struggle was my parents loved me too much, so that when I moved off to college, which was 15 minutes away, I could still rely on my mom when I came home every weekend to do my laundry. Anybody else fall into that category? Jake, did you bring your laundry home this week? Yes. Yes, see? I know how it works. But sometimes, 
as members of the body of Christ, as members of a community of faith, that is a challenge for us to ask ourselves the question of how are we individually being asked to give back to the larger community? So you may know where this is going. This weekend, as we mentioned last weekend, we were talking about the ACA, the Archdiocesan Catholic Appeal. And you probably saw in the pews on the way in those very familiar envelopes. And you may ask yourself, Father, why do we do this every year? Well, I've got an answer for you. When the diocese became the archdiocese 50 years ago and separated from the diocese of Tulsa, there was an opportunity for our diocese to try a new program. Most dioceses don't have an annual collection. In fact, most dioceses have just the cathedraticum. That may be a new term for some people. The cathedraticum is known as the Catholic tax, that every parish is taxed based on the finances they have at the parish, and a percentage of the yearly collection goes to the diocese to help the diocese perform its ministries, just like every diocese has a tax that goes to Rome to help the universal church in her ministries. Well, one of the things that our archdiocese did 50 years ago was say, we don't want to do this the same way everybody else has. We have to look at a new model of how to function. The average cathedraticum percentage outside of our diocese is between 15 and 20 percent. As of last year, ours is at four, four percent. You're like, wow, that's a lot. No, that's nothing compared to what we pay in taxes to the government, which is 25, 33, depending on your tax bracket. And so the diocese, though, isn't able to cover all of the costs with just that 4%. And so we have this annual Catholic appeal every year, or what was the ADF, the Archdiocesan Development Fund, to help subsidize some of those other services that the diocese offers. And you may say to yourself, but Father, we're in Western Oklahoma. What has the diocese done for us lately? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. If you didn't, I'm still glad you asked it. Because we receive almost more financially than we give to the diocese on a yearly basis in different programs and in different opportunities that are offered here at the parish and at the diocese itself. In fact, many of our young people have been the beneficiaries of some of these very opportunities. How many of our young people have been confirmed in the last two years? Raise your hands. They didn't come to Mass today. Okay, well, some of them got confirmed in these last two years. In fact, in the last two years, we have confirmed 118 of our young people. Each and every one of them had to go to a confirmation retreat. Two years ago, we had Steve Angrizano come from Texas to do a great retreat, and this last year we had Chris Paget come. What people don't know is the diocese foot the bill for both of those retreats. Most people don't understand that when you host a retreat, it costs a lot of money. That's why a lot of parishes don't have a lot of retreats, because you have to pay the speakers, you have to pay housing fees, all these different things that go into it. The diocese foot the bill for both of those retreats. The only thing that we as a parish had to take care of was donuts, coffee, cookie, and pizza, which a lot of that was donated as well. And so instead of costing us more than $10,000 per retreat, it cost us food expenses. 
Those are some of the gifts that the diocese has given back to us because many other parishes in the diocese, us included, have been able to look at these assessments and say, here's how we want to give back so that everyone can have that opportunity to have these blessings. That's why we as a parish allowed others to come and have the same benefits that we did here. Most, confirmation, most parishes that have confirmation retreats charge for their confirmation retreats to help offset some of those bills. We haven't had to because of the generosity of the diocese, but also the generosity of many of our parishioners here at St. Matthew's and Queen of All Saints. In fact, <clears throat> the largest line item of the diocese every year is the same. Does anybody know what that is? We've got a poster on the wall that talks about it. And it's there 24-7, 365. Seminarian education. Seminarian education is the largest line item for the diocese budget every single year. Typically, if a guy goes off to college, gets a, a degree, and then goes into seminary, he will have at minimum six years of seminary. Maximum 10 years of seminary, depending on what he's going to specifically study for, or if he goes right out of high school, goes right out of college. So anywhere between 6 and 10 years of seminary, it costs per seminarian per year, on average, $50,000. Which means for one priest to make it all the way through seminary, on the low end, it costs $300,000. On the high end, half a million dollars of education. If it weren't for things like the ACA and the Cathedraticum, I guarantee you I would not be up here as your pastor today. I wouldn't be, have been ordained because there's no way I would have been able to afford paying back the loans I would have had to take out for the eight years of seminary that I had, the $400,000 worth of education that I received. Because when you look at our salary pre-tax and take that out and say we got a 0% loan and spent not a penny on anything except for paying our loans back, it would take me between 20 and 25 years of priestly salary to pay back that $400,000. It's not feasible. It's not possible. And so the diocese then helps to supplement and subsidize the education of our young men that go to seminary. If we have 20 men in seminary, which right now I think we've got 16, it costs a million dollars a year to send them through seminary. So what the diocese then asks of all the parishes is to help pitch in for your future pastors. In fact, the goal this year is the same as the goal was last year for here at St. Matthew's and Queen of All Saints. Between our two parishes, our goal is $50,000. Why I talk about how expensive it is for seminarians. Because basically, what the diocese is asking us to do here at St. Matthew's and Queen of All Saints is to fund this year's education for our future pastor. That's what they're asking us to do. How do we give back from what we have received? And, and that is part of our participation in this larger church family. How do we continue to support each other. But then also, how do we continue to grow ourselves here at St. Matthew's and Queen of All Saints in Western Oklahoma? Many people don't understand the, the lengths 
of the breadth of our parish boundaries. Our parish boundaries stretch east to the Foss exit on I-40. Stretch west to Texas. North to Leedy. South to halfway between here and Mangum. It's about 3,800 square miles. We don't have enough priests. You're stuck with me, and we're blessed with deacon. But we are the only two ordained in this 3,800 square mile space. We need to continue to foster vocations amongst our young people, which is why I continue to speak about how important it is for our young people, men and women as well, to discern how God is calling them to serve the church, whether as priests, as monks, as brothers, as sisters, as nuns, as holy husbands and wives. We are each called to a very specific vocation. So how is God calling our young people today? But then also here at the parish, you may have noticed that the pews are continuing to fill a little bit more every week. In fact, this calendar year, we are up about 30 parishioners from where we were this time, even back in December. Welcome. I know some of you guys are continuing to move in, but as we continue to grow here at St. Matthew's, we have growing pains, which is a good thing to have. Don't get me wrong. But that means we have to continue to allow what's here to grow. Our facilities here at St. Matthew's is one of the largest facilities in the diocese, yet it's too small for where we are right now. One of the struggles that we have on Wednesday evenings with our catechesis is we have so many students, we don't have enough classrooms for them. We have over 210 children registered in our religious education program as of this last Wednesday. Since we started the Mass in Spanish that, first, that second Tuesday in January, we've gotten 20 new religious education students and many more people attending Mass. So as we continue to grow, our facilities are going to need to grow as well. One of the best things that we have here at the parish is a very vibrant community. But we have some older things that need to continue to be modernized. In fact, the next thing that we are looking at renovating here at the parish, kind of letting the cat out of the bag, sorry, parish council, finance council, is our kitchen. It's too small. We need to grow. In fact, of all of you here, how many of you guys have ever used the kitchen here? Raise your hands. Of those with your hands raised, how many of you think our kitchen is sufficient? Not one. So that's our next project here at the parish, is to continue to grow that facility because it is utilized year-round, not only for our funerals, not only for parish meals. Lent is beginning in just a week and a half, which means a week from this Friday is our first fish fry, which means for those nights and those volunteers who have helped, we're about to have a very busy six weeks. And so we've got to continue to grow and expand that opportunity because that is a great fundraiser for our youth. In fact, this last year, as I've talked about in this last year, was our best financial year for the fish fry. We had over $25,000 in profits from the six fish fries last year. Wow. 
that is phenomenal. A lot of it goes into the work and effort that many of you guys have put into it. But also, people didn't realize that some of our parishioners have gone above and beyond with helping, with volunteering, but also with helping to subsidize some of those costs. Because of the six weeks of fish fry, it costs $9,000 to purchase everything to be able to sell the fish. So in the past, we've had families that have stepped forward and say, I want to support our youth this week or this week, and they've helped to underwrite one full week, which is about $1,500 towards our youth. Thank you for those great blessings. And as our youth continue to grow, as we can see on Wednesday nights, and our parish communities continues to grow, and we continue to have more people on fire for the faith, trying to delve deeper into the faith, our facilities aren't going to be large enough for them as well. So we're hopefully, fingers crossed, after we finish the kitchen, going to potentially make an education center where we will have more classroom space, where we will have more opportunities for people to come throughout the week, where we can have what we need to continue to grow here at St. Matthew's. You know that old saying, many hands make light work. But at the same time, we have that same ideal here at the parish as out in the world. And it's called the 90-10 principle. Have you ever heard of that before? 90% of the people do 10% of the work, which means 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Here we're closer to about 78-22. Where does Father get that random number? Well, look at last year's ACA. We, of our household families registered, 22% of our families gave, which means 78% weren't able to make a gift last year. That's not to shame anybody. It's just the realization that not everybody is able to give financially to everything that's offered in the parish. And so how are we then called to be the hands and feet of Christ? After my homily last night, I actually had someone stop me on the way out and say, Father, I've retired recently. How can I help more? In fact, I want to help out potentially with mowing the cemeteries, I said, praise God. We found someone that's been listening that knew exactly what it was that I was looking for without having to say it. I haven't told you that yet, Amy. I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> but that people are looking for ways to volunteer, are looking for ways to fill out their, check off their chore chart as part of this member, as part of being a member of the body of Christ. There are many opportunities. The ACA is one. The fish fry is another. If you find yourself for the next six weeks, at some point during the week saying, I want to help out at the parish, but I can't do things at night, give Katie a phone call. There are so many things that happen with the fish fry that we need volunteers for. Give Amy a phone call. There are so many different things we have going on here at the parish that we need you for. We need new volunteers for everything. So that that 10% that's been doing the 90% or that 22% that's been doing the 78% can be able to step back or take a little bit off of their shoulders. Because we, just like every other parish, have that struggle of how do we get new volunteers? How do we get new people engaged? I talk a lot about how I love our young people here at the parish. We have a lot of very, very vibrant families. 
how can I help you get more active here at the parish and even at the diocesan level? And it goes back to that last line from today's gospel. Allow your yes to mean yes and your no to mean no. Sometimes we have to say no when we are asked and called to do certain things because we aren't able to do them at that time, and that's okay. But sometimes there is this urging within our hearts that's calling us to do more because we've been given much. So how is the Lord speaking to you today? I'm not going to ask you to pick up the envelopes and fill them out right now. But I am going to ask that you take into prayer this week or during Mass today if the Lord is speaking to your heart to give to the Archdiocesan Catholic Appeal this year. If you want to fill one out and feel prayerfully called, fill one out. Bring one home, fill it up, return it next week. We'll have baskets at the back of the church um, on the two little areas there on the concrete where you can put those in after Mass. We can put them in before Mass next week. We'll have them out there for a couple weeks. If you have any questions, any comments, any concerns about it, please feel free to reach out. Not this week because I'll be in the city for the shrine, but beyond that, feel free to reach out. Because as members of this faith community, we are in this for each other. I'm in this for you, and we're all in this for each other. So what has the Lord called you to say yes to today? What has he called you to say no to today? Bring it to prayer and respond accordingly.